Lately, I've been singing the praises of many of Europe's second cities when the A-list cities get just too crowded to fully enjoy. Like the old song goes, how are you going to keep them down on the farm once they've seen Paris? But they might also enjoy Marseille or Lyon or Glasgow, Belfast, Krakow, and Porto. When you go to Germany, sure, you've got to see Berlin, but don't overlook Hamburg. It started in the 9th century with a castle built by Charlemagne, survived invasions and fires over the centuries, and today is Germany's number two city, with more than 5 million people in its metro area. It's also a major port where the Elbe River meets the North Sea. Joining us to explore Hamburg on Travel with Rick Steves are tour guides Holger Zimmer and Carolina Marburger. Thanks for, Thanks for having, having us. us. Yep. First, let's just hear your, your take, because you both live in Berlin. Carolina, what does Hamburg mean to you? It always has been my escape when growing up in the provinces, and I think that makes Hamburg unique. In Germany, it stands for freedom, um, being cool. That's what Hamburg, the city, the city of the port, that's the gate to the world. It's the most worldly and cool city. And a port city tends to have more influence coming in. Exactly. It's, it's, it's where the, the sailor's quarter is, yeah. the craziness, the freedom. Isn't there a zone called the Freiheit or something like that in Hamburg? The, the Große Freiheit, the Great Freedom. Is yes, that, that's, that's where that's the Beatles district. were actually performing club, and yeah. all that. Yes. Oh, okay. Now, Holger, yeah. what does Hamburg mean to you? Well, you know, living in Berlin, it's all wonderful in the capital city. But once I'm in Hamburg, I'm by the river and I hear the seagulls and I see the big ships and the tall ships. It's like maritime. It's movement. It's connection. And it really, for me, like I kind of grew up there. My first ever like living apartment outside my, my parents' home was Hamburg, playing music, listening to music. So it is connected to just like the first steps you take into the real world. And that was wonderful. And speaking of steps you take into the rest of the world, if there are German-Americans listening right now, there's a very good chance their ancestors left Germany from Hamburg. Absolutely. It's an estimated that about 5 million people went through Hamburg, Bremen, Bremerhaven, kind of out to the New World. And so quite a good chance is they, they came through Hamburg. And that's quite often when we take people on a tour. They say, yes, I know my, my great-granddad, he went through Hamburg. And yeah. they, they look it up there. What impresses me when I go to Hamburg is how few Americans go there. Why is it that Americans don't think about Hamburg? It's just not known. Like Americans, when they think of Germany, they think about the South, Bavaria, Lederhosen, beer, and all of that. So Hamburg is kind of like sidelined. But for German tourists, it is a big thing. And I love going there. And it is really fascinating to see when we start our tours there in Hamburg. Quite few people have been going there. But once they see it, they say, wow, now we know what this city is all about. Because it's traditional, but it's also very forward-looking, modern, a city that reinvents itself. I think part of the American view of, of Germany is shaped by the part of Germany we occupied after the war, and that was Bavaria. So if an American had any relative that was in Germany, he was in Bavaria. So you got Lederhosen, and you got slap dancing, and you got, you know, beer gardens. That's quite Munich, isn't it? But it's also because Germany is a federal country with an incredible diverse set of cultures, and northern German culture is, because of what you just said, Rig, indeed very often overlooked, but for us, it is just another part of German culture. And, and well yes, it is, it's very yeah. much like Scandinavian British a little bit, but um, yeah, nonetheless, it, for us, it's very German. It has that, that Nordic feel. I mean, it's yeah. right on the border of uh, Denmark, right? It I mean, actually was literally next to Denmark because Altona, now a part of Hamburg, for 200 years was Denmark, literally. So you get that interesting flavor. And it was a Hanseatic town. Well, what is a Hanseatic port? Hanseatic, well, it belonged to the Baltic Hanseatic League that basically was the dominant economic power in the Baltic Sea um, in the Middle Ages up until the 15th century, maybe. However, 
Hanseatic city is still what Bremen, Lübeck and Han Hamburg are still called. Mm -hmm. And Hanseatic still is a term you would use today in German, Hanseat and Hanseat or Hanseatisch. And it still implies a certain culture and way of life and a way, for example, has to do with merchants. There's uh -huh. a very proud merchant elite that has nothing to do with aristocracy. Mm -hmm. They are really against it even. Um, it means you are reliable. A handshake is everything you need to do. You have a certain sense of self-irony and all that means... Hanseatisch. Holger. And this tradition is still alive in a way that Hamburg still to this day is a very affluent town, a very rich town. Because of hundreds and hundreds of years of trading, Hamburg still is the third largest port in all of Europe. Mm -hmm. It's where the goods come in. It's a huge part of the city, which is you don't really see if you just walk around. But if you, for example, go to the new Philharmonic Hall on the, on the platform, and you can look out and you see how far... The containers, the whole terminal stretches. It's a huge part of Hamburg's economy still, and you still feel this vibe of trading in a city. Yeah. And, you I know, think it's actually interesting to think of the port city because that sometimes throws people off because there are port cities and port cities. In Hamburg, I always tell people to understand that the richest people live on the Elbschussee and they watch, they look onto what? The port because the port is the beating heart and it's the pride of the Hamburgers. It's not like a port that you shy away from because it's the dirty thing that makes right. you rich but you don't want to see. Oh. In Hamburg, it's all you see. It makes, makes us more happy than anything to see the industrial port. You know, we were talking about this Hanseatic heritage. What is Hafen City? Because there's a oh, yeah, Hafen. What does that mean? Yeah, Hafen means harbor and city is like the new part, like a and, stadt. And this is city. a development. It's and about a third of Hamburg is bigger now because absolutely. of this development. So they, they reclaim basically old kind of used land that now the, the modern terminal with the computers and stuff don't need anymore. And they redevelop it. There's university there. There's new uh, apartment blocks. It really will expand the city by like 45,000 inhabitants. So it's yeah. a new development that you can actually also overlook from this Philharmonic Hall. And you see the way forward, you know, kind of more biking, more green living. That's also what Hamburg stands for. It's a futuristic extension of the city, taking the industrial wasteland and turning it into something that can inspire city planners all over the world, really. And Carolina, I remember standing on a bridge and there's these brick old uh, warehouses that just goes forever. And you think, whoa, this is 100, 200 years old and it, it's massive. And then that's just the entryway to this modern city. Yes, it's the warehouse district, the Speicherstadt, which is a UNESCO heritage site, which sometimes confuses people. It's not that old. It's just from the 1880s to the Beautiful 1920s. Yeah. Yet it was developed at a time when Germany just became Germany as a nation. Mm -hmm. And therefore the, the free free custom zone had to be removed. And so the Speicherstadt, the warehouse district, is a red brick sort of storage house district galore um, yeah. that is beautiful and now of course loses its relevance but has become just a site of museums and event places, restaurants and all that and then it, it's adjacent to that new development. And we do need to remember when Germany was united in 1870 or so overnight Europe has an industrial superpower and it needed a port and yeah. the port was Hamburg. And the Hamburg people wanted still to retain their tax-free status. You know, that was very important. That They made sure that that's why they got the Speicherstadt going, ah, the right. largest warehouse district back in the day without paying taxes. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Holger Zimmer and Carolina Marburger. We're talking about Germany's, you could say Germany's number two city after Berlin, Hamburg. When we think about Hamburg, a lot of us think about sex and drugs and Beatles and Reeperbahn, and I, I know that there is a tradition for young people in Germany to go to Hamburg, and you don't go for a crazy Friday night. You go for three days where you don't sleep, and it's just insane. 
Carolina, you were a teenager in Hamburg. What is that, uh, this Reeperbahn uh, wild weekends? Well, it used to be that way, definitely. So we, we went to the Reeperbahn and we went to the pubs on Hamburger Berg. Maybe not the Reeperbahn itself, but sort of the side streets. And then you found bars and then you danced through the night indeed. And what was then the Jumomojo Club, which had the best dance floor jazz of all time. And you waited until the subway would run again because that would only in the morning. So you definitely went for the morning hours. Or you went, of course, on Sunday mornings, you went to the fish market that starts at 5.30 and you need nothing better than a a breaded fish roll um, that is the best thing against a hangover. To soak up all that. And then, (laughs) yeah, the fish market is the place to go. So yes, it has this kind of seedy nightlife tradition tradition in a way, just because it was like a port town. The sailors were there, like Amsterdam, Zeeland, you know. But it also let's not forget it. It's still a musical city. It is like the home of Johannes Brahms, you know, one of the yeah. amazing romantic composers. Gustav Mahler was there. We and, had, of and course, theaters, the theaters, and you got theater. Yeah, the but you also time. still to this day have like an amazing um, plethora of great music, like new uh-huh. modern bands coming from Hamburg. So that is also something worth checking out. And I think uh, a lot of people remember the Beatles getting their start in Hamburg. Uh, sadly for Beatles fans, the museum closed, and there's essentially nothing to see about the Beatles in Hamburg anymore. In a way, but you still have the recordings, you have them singing in German, and you know without Hamburg and them playing, like, what is it, three, four, five times a night for two years straight, more or less, like, well, they were just honing their craft, and they could play every key change that ever was invented, and they were good to go. Like, without Hamburg and getting their training there, there would be no Beatles. Danke schön for Hamburg. Hamburg, yeah, all right, yeah. for music lovers. Hamburg is also a very green city. It's a wonderful city, even like with a family. It has wonderful old buildings and has a lake in the middle of town. You can actually go sailing right in Hamburg, you know, in the city. You can go canoeing. And there's a wonderful park, uh, Planten and Blomen. But remember, Hamburg was the site of a horrific firestorm, one of the worst bombings in 1943 in World War II. Tell us about that that day. Eight nights, seven days, roughly, in 43, uh, Operation Gomorrah, as it was called. Gomorrah, uh, yeah. Um, Pretty much uh, British bombers destroyed the city, like huge parts of the inner city. So it has also a modern feel to it. But still, I have to say, you still see like the damages in a way by new architecture, new big highways being built after that. And so when you see memorial. the new, you can almost think that's where the bombing was. That's where was. the old were, were. But still, I think, to me, Hamburg is a beautiful city, also compared to Berlin, which is a bit more kind of gritty in some parts. So Hamburg, for me, I would recommend it definitely in, in many respects to go there. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking about Hamburg, a city that I would say is underappreciated by American travelers heading to Germany. Our guides have been Holger Zimmer and Carolina Marburger. Holger and Carolina, let's just finish with a favorite experience that you'd like your guest to enjoy next time you took them to Hamburg. So I would take you down to the Landungsbrücken and jump on the ferry number 62, which takes you to Övelgönne. Övelgönne is the old museum harbor. And from there you can start walking on the incredible Elbstrand, which is the Elbe Beach, literally a sandy beach by which you can sit down, have a sip or walk and see the incredible container ships pass you by on the way to the harbor. And the Lange Brücke, or I forgive my German, but that's the famous pier where the emigration happened. Every tourist goes to this this Yes, big Landungsbrücken pier. is basically where everything starts from. You might not want to spend too much time there, no, but, but that's where you go to get on the ferry. Catch the ferry and go to the beach. Great exactly. idea. Holger. I would take people up to St. Michael, the Michel, which is the famous landmark of Hamburg. That's the huge church with the largest clock tower that sailors would see rolling into Hamburg port. And you can walk up like 452 steps and have a nice view across old Hamburg, the new town, the port, the Alp Philharmonie Hall. So great views and you're right in the heart of the old town. 
And the name of this church again? St. Michael Michael on the Michel. Great idea. Hogart Zimmer, Carolina Marburger, danke schön. Sehr gerne, herzlichen Dank. Thanks a lot. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, you can savor Europe's most exciting experiences and sights through a hundred of my favorite travel stories. Imagine hanging from an alpine ridge, dancing at a Turkish circumcision party, and swinging with a bell ringer in a medieval church spire. You can order your copy of For the Love of Europe at ricksteves.com. <laughs>